Hey there, and welcome to the Pseudo Show, brought to you by the Destination Linux Network. Today, we have an exciting announcement about the show, and we'll also wrap up our Getting Started series. In this episode, we'll share our tips to better learning tools and how to advance your career. All that and more on the Pseudo Show. Welcome to the Pseudo Show, your home for all things enterprise open source. I am Eric, the IT guy, and joining me every episode is my vacationing co-host, Brandon Johnson. How are you doing today, buddy? I wouldn't say I'm vacationing, considering I have nowhere to go. Uh, right now, I'm working on a project. I'll share the details uh, maybe in another episode, but I actually took the week off uh, just mostly to stay off video conference calls, well, at least the work-related ones anyway. Definitely burned out on conference calls. How about you, Eric? Well, I'll trade you some of my uh, conference calls for some boxes. We uh, we finished the move a couple of weeks ago. We're st- we're still unpacking and decorating and just kind of getting settled into the new place. But uh, but between our our talk last episode uh, about DevOps and automation and just this this constant pressure to get things done more efficiently, I'm back on an automation kick. Uh, so the past few days, I've been setting up some tooling around Mastodon, uh, which is an open source social media platform. And one of my goals is to be able to publish an episode of this show and have it automatically post to uh, social media or or even send out a notification when, uh, when I pu- publish a new blog. That's awesome. So here we are, Brandon, episode four. You know, it feels like we really have something here. That's, that's two full months of content. I don't know, Eric. feels like we're missing something. You know what? I know just the thing. That's why, available now, you can order your very own Pseudo Show t-shirt. You should head on over to pseudo.show slash shirt to earn some serious street cred and help support the show. That is pseudo.show slash shirt. When you receive your shirt, take a selfie, tag us on social media at Pseudo Show Podcast and show us some love. Since uh, the show launched a couple months ago, we have been stepping through a series of episodes such as getting started or re-engaged in the community or in, in business. Today, we wanted to wrap up that discussion with a look at education and careers. Next episode, we're going to begin a new arc around open source cloud architecture. We'll not only get into the architecture and concepts, but we'll also look at some specific tools as well. Yeah, I know I know that's for sure. One of, one of the biggest pieces of feedback, and, and this is just me saying, yes, we've heard you, it's coming, um, is that that a lot of a lot of our technical folks want to get their hands dirty uh, when when they're when they're hanging out with the pseudo show. So being able to to jump in and learn something new about cloud provider or maybe get their hands dirty with a new programming language, all that kind of stuff is is coming up and, and we're going to get started with the cloud architecture in, in the next uh, episode arc. One, one of the problems that we hear about, and I know I've, I've addressed uh, this question with a few folks, and, and in the last episode, we even featured an email around this topic. It's, it's, it's hard to find work or it's hard to find tools to learn and grow in your, in, in your career. And while I do agree that's it's hard, I don't know this necessarily impossible. You just have to know where to look. So in today's episode, we're going to throw out a we're going to do a bunch of name drops. We're going to send you all over the place to different different resources, places that have helped us uh, develop our careers. Um, so in today's episode, definitely, definitely, definitely check out the show notes because uh, we're going to try and link as much of this into into the show notes as you can. But before we get started, I wanted to mention a tool that all of us should have in our toolbox, and that tool is Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and business organizations to store, share, and sync sensitive data. 
Bitwarden just happens to be a sponsor of the Pseudo Show and the entire Destination Linux network. So before you do anything else, head on over to bitwarden.com DLN to check out this amazing password manager. We may not see it, but every single day, the services and applications we depend on are under attack by those trying to gain access to personal and financial data. That is why it is so important to have random, complex passwords. With Bitwarden, you can define password length, what types of characters to include, and even be able to avoid ambiguous characters like O and Zero. This means for every site, you can have a different password. So if your local grocery store, for instance, is compromised, all you have to do is generate a new password, then go to sleep soundly knowing that all of your other accounts and data are safe. I moved to Bitwarden some time ago and have never looked back. You get a great password manager, and you can even get your feet wet for free. Then you can get advanced features for just $10 a year. So jump over to bitwarden.com DLN to get started today. And thank you to Bitwarden for sponsoring the Pseudo Show. So, Brandon, you want to start us off. Where, where are some places that you go? You've, you've got a new project. You've got you, you read a news article somewhere and, and you, you see the name of a new project or a new technology. You, you want to get your hands dirty. What, what's the where's the first place that you usually go? There are commercial learning platforms that have sprung up all over all over the Internet the past few years. But right now, many of us may be out of work. A subscription to a learning subscription is too much. There are a couple of solutions for that. First, Katakoda has free content. Second, we all have access to great content on YouTube. You know, I've used Katakoda in the past. It's a great tool. What I like about it is I can I can pick a topic like OpenShift and go in and learn five or six very, very straightforward tasks. And it really helps you get your feet wet on, on a new project. I spend a lot of time on, on YouTube learning and and, uh, and checking out other people's content. The problem is your your mileage usually varies on YouTube. The, the quality of the content isn't there. You know, a lot of it are like us where it's just people sitting down having a conversation. Quality's not necessarily there. You know, there's, there is some truth to you get what you pay for because there's there's YouTube, but then there's also learning platforms like like Linux Academy or LinkedIn Learning. They, they do require a subscription, but that money goes to make sure that the content is always top-notch, make sure it's edited well, make sure all the information's there, and God forbid, make sure that the, uh, the labs actually work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I remember a couple episodes ago, Brandon, you mentioned you were trying to trying to learn Ruby, playing with it a little bit. What uh, which of those platforms were you using to to learn Ruby? So uh, I think I was mentioning getting back into Ruby. Uh, I've been work, you know, I've been working on Ruby for quite some time. But the uh, few years ago, when I was really trying to brush up on on my Ruby skills, I came across uh, an open source project called the Odin Project, uh, just like the Norse god. It is an open source learning platform and curriculum that has courses to teach uh, anyone that wants to learn Ruby on Rails or Node.js. I've gone through some of the program to see how it works, and I really enjoyed the content, and it's probably evolved since I've last used it. I've pushed friends and family to the Odin project simply because it is free. That way that like, if you're just getting into programming, it's a great way for you to decide on your terms that programming is something you want to pursue further. And whether that's through paid education or even just longer term in your career. So maybe maybe a full-blown curriculum is too broad. I know a lot of times I feel like I've got a 
got a good foundation of knowledge. I've I've got, uh, but there's just something specific I need to do. There's there's a web server with a with an extension that I haven't used before. There's just something specific I want to learn, and that's that's where tutorials and walkthroughs can be very helpful. There's tons of content on blogs like DigitalOcean uh, is very very well known for for their blog on top of being a great uh, VPS provider, but uh, also right here uh, at DLN with uh, with Front Page Linux. So right now I'm building content on my blog and uh, eventually for front page Linux. But you may have seen, if you're in the Ask Noah community, a tutorial that I built around installing Overt. I'm building more content for the community over the coming months, expanding on that installation tutorial and expanding into topics like cloud management and automation. I'm also working to expand my knowledge all the time. And I'm looking forward to sharing what I'm learning with our listeners. <laughs> That's a great point. Maybe maybe we should have included that in the original outline for the episode. Podcasts like the Ask Noah Show and Destination Linux are, are great established sources for news and tutorials, and and that's that's one of the things that kind of led us to to creating this show. Uh, the pseudo show was was kind of a, a desire to bridge the gap between DevOps and open source, which. Uh, which Ask Noah and Destination Linux cover very well, but we wanted to put kind of that business, that enterprise spin on things. Yeah, and also don't forget, I mean, like just going beyond podcasts, you know, beyond online content, I go to the tried and true paper books. Reading is one of my favorite pastimes. Not just reading science fiction novels, but I try to get my hands on books to teach myself a new topic. And I don't stop at one book. Like I'm a little late to the game, but I decided to roll up my sleeves and dive into data science and machine learning and AI. Nerd. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there's tons of literature on the topic, not just uh, from a technological perspective, but also from a philosophical perspective. I basically have the remainder of my summer reading plan, along with notebooks for all the pages of notes for upcoming content. Yeah, I've I've got a specific notebook that that sits on my desk or or wherever my wherever my e-reader is to so that I make sure that when when I have an idea for for something I want to dive into for myself or for for an upcoming episode, I always jot it down. I I think we have a backlog of like 20 episodes that we've we've got planned and you know we're four episodes in. So <laughs> but yeah, AI and ML uh, it's is a topic I need to dive deeper into, but it's it's you know looking off the high dive going nope. Though though since you mentioned it, uh, I did just finish reading the Open Organization by IBM President uh, Jim Whitehurst. He was the the former CEO and president uh, of Red Hat for many years after uh, after his stay at uh, Delta and a few other organizations. But Open Organization is a, is an interesting look at at Jim Whitehurst's early experiences with Red Hat and a comparison with other organizations who have embraced this open culture. It was a quick read. Uh, there was a great uh, it was a great ebook. There the uh, the narrator on on the uh, audible version was really really good so it made for a quick read and and kind of an interesting look at not just red hat's culture but other organizations and other industries that have embraced an open uh, culture so reading and and watching are are great tools Um, i know i learned a lot back in the days when i when i had a commute to and from work i learned a lot just while driving in the car but they're they're not really a replacement for hands-on experience. This this presents a, a a challenge for a lot of IT professionals. I know a lot of the organizations I work for as, as a systems administrator that even even the dev the the development environment was treated like production. It could never be offline or under maintenance during the workday. The developers were in there. They were trying to write code. They were trying to build features. So you can't have dev down during the day as as much as you could have production down. 
so I know a lot of times I'd be working on server upkeep late at night after my family had gone to bed. I, I think that problem has seen its end, though, with the advent of cheap cloud hosting. Now you can spin up production-like servers to play with and run for only a few dollars a month. It, it makes for a great lab environment, and you're not going to interfere with the, with the regular development process. I have a tendency not to use uh, cloud providers. I, I find the total cost of ownership, return on investment of using a cloud provider to, to not be that great. So I actually decided a few years ago to buy a bunch of hardware. I get asked, what do I put in my home lab all the time? You know, I'm not as extreme as some people I know with fully populated blade chassis and 40 gig networking, basically putting a data center in their basement. I consider my home lab modest. It's very small. Right now it's uh, five servers. Actually, I take it back, six servers. I use it for learning, experimenting, and even uh, in my day job, I, I uh, build customer demos in it. It's primarily used to keep my skills fresh. And the way I implemented everything around it, whether if it's deploying bare metal systems and VMs inside of Red Hat Virtualization or Overt, depending on my mood uh, that month, uh, what, what's deployed there is exactly the way I would do it. I was still doing this kind of work full time. And I changed the methodology as the technology improves. So I'm also looking at implementing more con containerization technology into, into my lab. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear your thought, but uh, I know for me, if it weren't for my home lab, I, I don't think I'd been able to keep up with technology. I mean, self-taught is amazing and looks great on a resume, but uh, you know, I, I envy your, your, your server setup because having spent the last couple of years living in apartments or townhomes, I haven't uh, reinvested in my hardware lab, but uh, as, as I mentioned, I, I run a lot of my lab and my home infrastructure and, and even customer demos on a cloud host like DigitalOcean. For instance, this automation kick I'm on, I can spin up a, a droplet, I can run my Ansible playbooks against it, so I have my user account, all my SSH keys, make sure that it's patched and up to date, and then I can deploy whatever container or demo that I'm, I'm planning on using that day. I, I'd have to say that probably my best tool was my home lab. I think that was probably the thing that helped me grow as a systems administrator the, the most. I started small. You don't have to spend $10,000 to get started and you don't need 40 gig networking. I basically just took a desktop grade set of hardware and installed Fedora server on it. From there, I built a Minecraft server on a VM. I could share that with my friends and family. It gave me a reason to, to spend more time on the command line because people really started to enjoy uh, the Minecraft server. After that, it was it was a process of ex of evaluating my needs, or to add new functionality, or evaluate expensive cloud-based subscriptions like like password managers or, or cloud file storage. Looking at those, evaluating what the next what the next project should be, finding an open source alternative, and and deploying it at home. Eric, that was one of the big justifications for my lab. I could easily spend hundreds of dollars a month on cloud subscriptions just with file storage alone. So I, I decided to bring that all in-house, literally, and it has made my life so much better that my data is closer to me, and it definitely redu reduced uh, the total cost of ownership for my, uh, for my storage needs. Yeah, that's it's always a that's always a tough sell trying to get your spouse and your family on board with self-hosting. But I mean, you cannot you can't beat some of the cost savings. You can't beat the advantage of being able to learn the technology when you depend on it for for your home network. For instance, have you ever been working on your home server during the day while your spouse is trying to watch Plex? <laughs> I've taken down the home network before. It, it's not gone well. <laughs> 
Now, the worst is when your GitLab server that you set up to auto-update is working perfectly for months and the update breaks. Good thing I had a backup and I, I wanted to upgrade it to CentOS 8 anyway, so it broke at the right time. <laughs> so I, I want to kind of shift gears here a little bit. We mentioned a lot about uh, self-teaching and free tools. I, I have my own opinion on this, but, but first I, I want to ask you, Brandon, how do you feel about formal education in today's environment? So I'm not the biggest fan of traditional education. Um, a lot of programs at traditional universities are great in sh at showing and telling you what to code, but never teaching you the translation from business requirements to functional requirements. And sometimes they're teaching you a language that is not being used at all anywhere. <laughs> like uh, like uh, in early day, sometimes, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But generally, like th thankfully, a lot of uh, universities are now teaching Java, which is used everywhere. Back when I was doing uh, back in school, that was not definitely not the case. Now, granted, you know a lot of that translation from business requirements to functional requirements I mentioned that comes with experience, but it can be taught. I'm a bigger fan of non-traditional schooling that gets you to work with classmates as a team, like coding boot camps. I've had a few friends just go through some coding boot camps at a local university. And they came out with much better skills than any computer science graduate I've interviewed in the past. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page there. I came out of school with uh, with a bachelor's in network communications management. the The networking lab we had was out of date, so a lot of the a lot of the Cisco switches that they had were were hardly relevant at the time. I mean, it definitely got my career off the ground. However, when I added my RHDSA, my my Red Hat Certified Systems Administrator certification to it, I immediately noticed a, an increase in the attention that I got from potential hiring managers. If if I had it to do things all over again. You know, honestly, I don't know that I would have gotten my master's degree. Uh, I got a master's in, see, that that tells you how much use I've gotten from my master's degree. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, it was MISM, so Master's in Information Systems Management. However, even now, you know, after all these years, it's probably the most expensive checkbox I've, I've ever had. Oh, you have a master's degree. That's nice. I think given the chance to do it over again, or or even just as I as I continue to learn and as I continue to, to further my education, I, I think one of my early goals for next year is to start pursuing and achieve my RHCE, so the Red Hat Certified Engineer. It's, it's, that, it's that next level up from the RHCSA. I think between the global uh, the, the global changes that we're seeing, I think uh, with how rapidly technology is is advancing and changing, I think we're going to see more of a focus on non-traditional schooling, like code boot camps that you mentioned. I, I think it's a more it's a more effective use of time, money, and energy. And I know when I've signed up for those week-long boot camps for you know maybe a new operating system release, or I took a I took a database class once that was three days, and I, I think that helps me more more than years of years of sitting in informal classroom. I hope one of the things that come out comes out of this is uh, a more focus on actual real life use cases than in universities than what's uh, in a five-year-old uh, textbook. Right. Well, I mean, if you really want to stand out, this probably affects the resume building more than more than learning. But I, I think a way to kind of tackle both of those problems with with one attempt is when you build your resume and when you look at things you want to learn, involve communities like DevOps and open source. 
So if if you're wanting to learn a particular language, go go in, join the community, start with those first time contributor tagged issues that, that we've spoken about in the past. You know, if you want to learn Ruby, go find an open source project that needs help in Ruby. Learn it. Uh, learn your skills, contribute back to an open source project, and then you get to put all of that experience onto your resume. So it, it just builds upon itself. And the best thing is, an open source project isn't going to pay you for your time, but you get paid in in experience and networking, so social networking, not uh, not necessarily technology. You know, going back to that first episode, I want to want to emphasize that like contributing to an open source project may not get you hired by the company that's sponsoring that open source project, but it builds your portfolio. As Eric just said, I think that's very important to point out. You're building your portfolio so that you can go get hired at a great company that you want to work for. You know, Eric, as a mentor, I'm always encouraging my mentees to get more involved, to give back. Even just listening, uh, attendance at industry events can can prove to a hiring manager that you're driven and that you actually want to learn. This year with the global quarantine, it's become a lot easier. There are tons of events that went virtual. Some of the highlights, obviously I'm going to plug Red Hat Summit. Red Hat Summit was back in April, but you can go and listen to the recordings. The open source summit uh, was remote and all the sessions were recorded. KubeCon is also remote. Uh, KubeCon's coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and Ansible Fest is coming up as well. That's going to be a fantastic event. I'm looking forward to that one as well. And that's going to be remote. And I believe that's in October. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but I know for me, I've actually spent more time this year listening to recorded talks and and labs uh, because because with this whole change and and dynamic in my work schedule, I'm I'm not traveling at all right now. But I've actually been able to force myself to take a lunch break the the past few months because what what I'll do is I'll I'll pick a I'll pick a conference talk or or a lab that I want to watch, and, and I'll just throw it up on my monitor and I'll force myself to take that break to disengage from the keyboard and and eat some lunch and and learn about something that I may or may not have or may not have attended if I was at a conference in person. One of the things I've been doing is instead of uh, binge watching uh, old episodes of Star Trek, I've been <laughs> binge watching uh, conference sessions, uh, and it's been a lot of fun because I there's there are events that I normally would not have attended because I would have had to travel, whether if that was to Europe or to Asia or somewhere in the United States. But now I can just sit in front of my computer and watch uh, one of these sessions or any of these sessions, just pick and choose the ones I want to watch and just play right through them. It's been fantastic. It's not great that I haven't been able to travel, but I, from a learning perspective, and I have gained more knowledge in the last two months than I have in the last two years. Now, wait a minute here. I, I agree with everything you said, but I do have one question. What, what's wrong with binge watching Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I but I have watched them uh, more times than I can count. <laughs> we've touched on learning. We've touched on ways to be involved. We've touched on outlets for for news sessions. Is there is there any other aspect of this that that we should point out to folks that are listening in? No, I don't think so. I think the probably probably the easiest call call to action uh, from this show is go sign up for the Odin Project. It is free. There's no reason not to give it a shot. I think for me, the the one thing that I I need to remotivate myself on every so often is in, in this industry in this in this field. If you're going to continue to grow and and be successful. 
you always have to be learning. There's you always need to have something either in a lab or on your YouTube watch list or, or wherever that you're focusing on that that you're digging into, whether that's AI or, or containers or agile developments. There just there always needs to be something and you don't have to spend a ton of time on it. I mean, a couple hours a week is is enough to, to, to gain some some insight onto something new. It's just things change so fast and it's so easy to fall behind. Just always keep learning. Always learn, go pick up a book, read on a topic. Uh, you don't need to become an expert in the topic, but just it's good to just understand what's going on. I know we threw a ton of information out there. I, I hope this conversation was beneficial. Um, and like I said, we're, we're going to try and populate a, a, all of this into the into the show notes best we can. And, and send us in your feedback. Uh, your, your feedback's always welcome. Just head on over to pseudo.show slash discuss. And uh, we we want to know more. We're, we're always learning. We're always looking for new new angles, new, uh, new platforms to, to learn from. So if you have, if you have that special news site or that, that special learning platform that, uh, that you really love, take it over to pseudo.show slash discuss and, and add it to the conversation. If you'd like more of our content, you can find it over at pseudo.show and on Twitter at pseudoshowpodcast. Uh, this week, we'd like to spotlight DLN Extend. Uh, the show dives deeper into many of the network's topics from uh, Asnoa, Destination Linux, the pseudo show, and it provides a, a, a fresh perspective. Um, so with it, it's got a couple of new hosts on board and new topics to cover. So this show is bigger and better than ever. Uh, you can catch DLN Extend, all of our episodes, and so much more amazing content over at destinationlinux.network. Brandon, anywhere else you'd like to send folks? You can follow me on Twitter at dbrandonjohnson or my website, open-tech.net. And I think you just uh, reworked your blog a little bit. So probably some new content popping up there before too long, right? Uh, it's uh, it's coming. And you can follow me at ITGuyEric or on ITGuyEric.com. Remember, the Pseudo Show is your place for all things enterprise open source. Until next time.